This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. I told you two weeks ago that when you are blood-bought, when you give your life to Jesus, you become a saint. And he says, hey, these homies over here who are like soldiers brutally beating dudes up, they are now saints. And guess what? I told them about you guys and they're so stoked that there's a church in Philippi and they sent the greetings to you. <laughs> you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. The problems that you're facing, you're suffering, God is able to use it to advance the gospel. I love the word, advance the gospel. Your job loss, you're broke, you're sick, your marriage is falling apart, your children are crazy. I was listening to a book um, two weeks ago about a pastor who wrote about, um, he's a very ch- pastor of a very, very, very big church, very public figure, and his 14-year-old daughter, a 13-year-old daughter was, got pregnant. And he's like, it's one thing to deal with suffering, but it's one thing to deal with suffering when you're in the public eye. But he didn't let that stop him from preaching. He actually wrote a book called uh, Pressure. And such a beautiful book. And, he, and he, the whole book is an analogy of grapes and wine being pressed. And it's amazing how much freedom God is bringing to people as they read that book. What happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I pray and hope that you that's sitting over here, that you would once again put your hand on the gospel plow and not look back. That all the adversities that the enemy brings, and I mean this, I mean this, I mean this, I mean this, I mean this. You might have even had pushback from church and from pastors and from ministry leaders. Trust me, I still have those same pushbacks. But I'm standing here and preaching, aren't I? And God is moving in you, isn't he? Okay, okay. Because God will not let your adversities hold us back from the gospel being preached. All right, let's move to the second thing. Your suffering. So first of all, your suffering, God can use it. God will use it to advance the gospel. Give it to him. The second thing Paul is going to remind us and challenge us with, he says your suffering will build confidence in Jesus. Your suffering builds confidence in Jesus. You see, it looks like in Rome at this time, there were believers who believed in Jesus, but they were scared. They were timid. They were scared to share their faith openly, probably because they were worried that, you know, because in Rome you had to worship Caesar. And the Christians were like, dude, hang that. I'm not going to worship Caesar. I worship Jesus. There's only one king and we'll bow down before him. And so Christians were being persecuted all over the place. And so the Christians are a little timid. They're like, hey, we believe Jesus, but we're going to kind of be in hiding. And Paul enters over here, and dude is right there under Caesar's own nose, right? And he is sharing the gospel to everybody. I mean, 9,000 people. And they're becoming saints and probably even getting baptized. Maybe they'll sprinkling baptism in the prison, right? I don't know what's happening over there. But who cares about that? They're giving their life to Jesus. And dudes outside who are timid and scared, they're getting bolder and bolder. And it's because they are able to put their confidence in Jesus. Look at this and pay attention to this because I think this is very important for us to actually live a powerful life. Verse 14. And most of the brothers having become confident in who? In the Lord. You need to pay attention to that, okay? And most of the brothers having become confident, first of all, it's most of the brothers, not everybody, because sometimes Christians are still stuck up and arrogant, and will still bicker and fight, but most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. This is fascinating. So, Paul is in prison, and he's preaching the good news, and people are being saved, and outside are the timid believers... And they are hearing about what, Paul, what God is doing in Paul in prison. And they are becoming confident, pay attention, not in Paul, 
but they become confident in Jesus. You need to get this. Your confidence cannot come because I am confident. Your confidence cannot come because your church has this amazing, beautiful program of evangelism. Hey, 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 hey. That does not work. Programs do not work. The power of the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, <laughs> come on, someone, amen for that. Amen. It's a whole different thing. And the power of the Holy Spirit can come if you are confident in the Lord. You see, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, he's called the Prince of Preachers. Am I speaking too fast? No. Okay. No. I'm excited. I'm excited. Because, oh my gosh, man, I wonder what it's going to look like when you take this message seriously and go apply it. So Charles Spurgeon, that's where I left off, right? Okay, ADD, back again. Let's go. Um, a preacher came up to him, a young preacher came up to him one day and said, hey, um, how is it that every time you preach, it's so powerful, man. How is it every time you preach, it just it comes alive. People are saved. People give their life to Christ. People are born again. People rededicate their life. People take what you say seriously and they go apply. How do you do it? And Charles Spurgeon, and this is a book called uh, Winning Souls. Love this book. One of my favorite books right now, uh, no, for my life. Charles Spurgeon on, on preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. It's a book on evangelism. Beautiful book. Um, Got it at yard sale, right? Fantastic. Got it for free even. Um, gosh, pay attention, Joel. So the preacher comes up and says, hey man, how is it? How do you do that? And Charles Spurgeon replies and says, well, you can't expect it to be that way every single time you preach. Now, come on. And the young preacher said, well, of course not every single time. And Charles Spurgeon replied and said, that's exactly your problem. You don't understand that when you open this word of God, it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. When you preach, it's not your words, it's the words of life that's calling dead people back to life. When you preach, God is tearing down the walls of Satan. God is bringing life and truth and light into the world. You don't understand that this, is, this word is alive. That this word, when you open to preach it, that you've got to expect God to move. And as I'm reading it, I'm like wanting to jump for joy and being like, awesome, that's great. And Paul is saying that, people saw his suffering and what God was doing and it built that kind of confidence in believers they put their confidence in the Lord they took God seriously they took his word seriously many times in churches we don't take God seriously many times we don't pray for the sick because we don't expect God to heal many times we don't expect God to move in power many times we don't step out to say Lord you're putting something in my heart I gotta answer it we don't go because we're like what if he doesn't show up we don't trust him God says you open your mouth and I will fill it we don't trust him It's beautiful that your suffering will build confidence in others. Not in you, but to put their confidence in Jesus. The way you handle yourself, the way you walk yourself. You know, I've uh, seen many Christians go through hard times. Many, 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 many Christians go through tough times. Job loss, sickness, death, divorce, losing a child. It's really sad. And I've seen many believers that go through hard times and the verses they memorized, the churches they went to, the songs they sang, the, 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 the fellowship and friendship they have with believers, none of that holds water when they go through suffering. And that's when I've noticed these people turn around and look at those who walk through suffering and they realize the key difference was those people who actually are able to find joy in their suffering, it's because they have the confidence in the Lord Amen. and not the confidence in the preacher, not the confidence in the church, not the confidence in the songs, not the confidence in the verses they memorize, not the confidence in the little devotional books they read. They have found the confidence in the Lord. And I want you to know, believers, that when you go out into the world, you're a billboard for the grace of God. When you go through suffering and you find joy and you're using your suffering and your hardships to advance the gospel, it helps others put their confidence in the Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that is, huh? All right. All right. Have we hit that point to death? You're like, should I say yes or no? You're in church. Tell the truth. All right. 
All right, all right, all right. We'll get back to um, verse, uh, sorry, point four. It's so crazy. Or are we in three? Three. Paying attention. Good. I am so excited this morning, man. I'm excited for what God is going to do. I, I really am. I am super, super, super stoked. I'm excited for what God's going to do in this country, not just in this church, not just in the Treasure Valley. Um, your suffering, number three, can build courage in others to preach the gospel. Now, I've said first, number two, was your suffering builds confidence in Jesus. So others begin to put their confidence in Jesus. But here, your suffering builds courage in others to preach the gospel. You see, one of the best things that you can ever accomplish in this life, okay, the greatest accomplishment of your life is not you planting a church and being a big pastor. It's not you building a company and being a, the biggest CEO the world has ever seen. Your biggest accomplishment is not finding a cure for cancer. I'm sorry. Your biggest accomplishment in this life is leading someone to Jesus. Yes. And the icing on the cake is watching that person that you led to Jesus become not just a disciple but a disciple maker. That is your greatest achievement in life. I'm telling you, man, if you really have a passion for the gospel, you will not waste your suffering. You will utilize it for it to advance the gospel. And here we're going to see that Paul's suffering not only built confidence in believers who didn't have a confidence in the word of God, like that young preacher, but the confidence in the Lord. They were like, dude, it's true. We've seen it happen. You open your mouth, God will fill it. You share the gospel, it's alive, and God will bring dead people back to life. And it also built the courage to preach the gospel, like it says in verse 14, the second part of it, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold. Isn't that beautiful? Much more, just because I said they got bold, or they were bold, but they're much more bold. That means they are daily. It's ongoing. It is exponential boldness, you get with me. It's not just like, okay, they were bold on Tuesday because the fired up message on Sunday, but daily they're growing and growing and growing and growing and little Timmy who was timid shared the gospel with his neighbor and now Timmy is standing in the street corner and preaching till his voice goes out and people are being saved and Timmy now is a church planter it's kind of like that's exponential boldness that's growing bold to do what? to speak the word without fear that's important the confidence grew in the Lord and they begin to speak the word of God it's fantastic you see Paul he uses suffering really well he wore suffering really well 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Deep breath for this one. This is crazy. He says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Because the Jews, 40 lashes is the typical punishment, but they will only lash a person 39 times. You know why? Because they wanted to show grace. Ah, oh, we'll let that one go. It's all right. It's on us. Right? But how many times? Five times he was lashed. 40 times minus one. That's what religion does to you. Okay? Just FYI. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not stoned stoned to death, left for dead. He goes up the next day and he goes and preaches the gospel. Shouldn't have said that. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger in, uh, from fire. Um, hold on. Danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. That doesn't sound like a leader to us. When you look at that guy's resume, you're going to be like, uh, I think this dude is just getting himself into trouble all the time, right? He, he needs to grow up and be a little bit more mature. He just needs to grow up and know his boundaries over here. Come on. You know? Come on, Paul. You want to stand in Rome and talk to, you know, we'll get you a good ticket, go on a cruise ship. Dude goes and chains and he's shipwrecked and he's bitten by a snake and 
There's this ruler of this village who has diarrhea and he prays and God heals him. I know God does even stuff like that. It's crazy. And that guy becomes a Christian and he goes and he's still in chains as a prisoner. Paul's suffering advanced the gospel. Paul's suffering built confidence in people for them to put their faith in Jesus. Paul's suffering built courage in others to preach the good news. All of these things actually built courage in others to say like, man, we, if, Paul, if God can do that in Paul in prison, God could work in us even when we're out of prison. We're in a time of suffering right now. Do you know that? We're in a time where there's a lot of turmoil. In fact, uh, I'm not saying this to boast, but I'm saying this so that it'll build courage in you to to step out in faith. This week, um, as I was getting ready to to prepare and to preach, um, it's so crazy, man. And you talk to any pastor, he'll tell you this. When you're getting ready to preach a passage, God will walk you through the passage that you're gonna preach. And you will have to preach from life experience. Otherwise, like, it's going to be a dead message. So next week, next time, I'm going to be talking about death, so pray for me. All right? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. All right. Okay. And then pray for me when we get to the crucifixion. That's going to be intense. But this, um, I had to go back and say, Lord, how can I use my adversities to, to extend the gospel of grace to people? And so Monday, I had to go to the DMV. And um, I know some of you guys laugh. Hey, I love going to DMV. Everybody over there knows me my name now. It's so crazy. Everybody's heard the gospel. Everybody's been invited to church. There's this one Native American lady. She loves, she calls me by my last name because she thinks it sounds Indian. I mean, it is, but the wrong kind of Indian, but it's all right. I'll let it fly. And, uh, and I walk in and, and, uh, and she looks at me and she was the one that I, I had to go to the counter to. And she's like, it's so good to see you. And of course, this is not Christian. So, so don't pardon the language. But she says, you have this beautiful energy around you. There's an aura around you. And I've known her for many years now. I mean, I've been buying and selling motorcycles for so long. And that's how they know me by my first name. And they're like, hey, Joel, you're back again. What'd you get this time? Right? And, and, and we had to go to do a VIN check on my motorcycle. And she comes out and she pulls off a mask. I'm not kidding. She looks at me and she says, how do you deal with fear? How do you deal with fear? How are you dealing with this? And she looks at me and she says, you have peace and I need that peace. And then she looks at me and says, what's the word in Sanskrit for peace? And I'm like, and just then we've been praying, you know, that I would speak in tongues. And I was like, now is when, Lord, I would need it. And guess what? I was like, I, the, the, word, the word in Sanskrit is, is shanti. And actually, just like in Hebrew, the Sanskrit word too has a picture. The picture of shanti, of peace, is muddy waters that's still, it's still muddy, but you can still see it very clearly. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.